And for the rest of us, Romans chapter 15, as we continue on in our text this morning. Romans chapter 15, we'll be reading just a few moments, verse 30 through 33 is our text today. Welcome, welcome every one of you. It is great to see you. If this is your first time at Big Woods, a special welcome to you. If you have not been at Big Woods for a long time, a special welcome to you as well. The Lord is blessing our body and we are thankful. Thank you, Pastor Aaron, for leading us and reminding us that we truly, through his word open before us, through the presence of his spirit within us, gives us the ability to behold. Just, just, just consider all the goodness of the Lord. You know, there seems to be at, at some level, particularly this past week, with a lot of the storms, we need to be praying for those that have lost loved ones, that have lost homes. I've also struck with the fact, you know, there's, there's storms that we don't see either. There's storms even right here in people's lives where things are just kind of swirling and we hear the winds howling and the rain kind of beating against us. And, and so my prayer this morning is that God would speak to you in some of the storms that we go through in life. Would you bow your heads and pray with me as we just seek to hear and learn, listen together for what the Lord has for us. Pray with me. Father, we do um, just want to first and foremost express how grateful we are for you. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege it is to gather like this together in your house, to lift up our voices, to read your word openly. I, I, Lord, just think of so many of our brothers and sisters around the world that just do not have this privilege, this blessing. I would pray, Lord, that we would never take this for granted. Father, we do lift up um, our prayers to you to minister to those, particularly in the South, that have lost so much, ones that have lost loved ones, lost properties, Father, I I pray as well for those even here this morning that it may appear calm on the outside, but on the inside their hearts are churning in fear, uncertainty, in worry. Father, I think specifically of those that have just been going through physical illness and, and battling, I just pray, Lord, that you'd minister to them. Thank you, Lord, so much for our brother Mark being with us today as he continues on in cancer treatments. Thank you for watching over his body. Thank you for the joy that he's displayed even in this, in this test. Pray, Lord, for our dear sister Holly, who just, just yesterday fell and broke her ankle. We just pray, Lord, that you'd minister to her. We pray for Mrs. Heckman in hospital right now covering from a car accident. We thank you for sustaining and protecting her. And and Lord, there's so many situations that that we may not be aware of, but you know them intimately. I pray, Lord, that you would minister, that you would calm, that you would, would not allow us to waste the pain. And through that, we would see your steady hand holding us. We would see your unconditional love. 
And Lord, even your sovereign plan to draw us to use circumstances to draw us closer to you. May that happen this morning. Father, I just pray for this time that we have and your word as it's preached. Please, Lord, just give me the, the wisdom that is needed. May, may my words be your words. Please guard my mind and my mouth. May everything that is said and done be for your glory. Speak now and may your children hear from you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. And amen. <clears throat> we come to the conclusion of Romans chapter 15. There's only one more chapter left. And you've noticed that the pace for Romans chapter 15 has been relatively slow, maybe a little quicker than other ones. But it's been hard for me. I've, I've tried to figure out, like, there's so many neat chapters. Like, which, which one is my favorite? Like, Romans chapter 8 is, like, the chapter. Romans chapter 12, we just kind of rested on that literally for months um, we know that Romans chapter 1 is, is a tough read, but absolutely essential. Romans chapter 15 has just kind of crept its way to the top of this. I just love what's happening here. Paul very clearly has presented the gospel very clearly through many chapters in the book of Romans. But, but in this chapter, we kind of see his heart, his missionary heart. Heart. The gospel certainly has been going global. It's been going forward, establishing churches. But it's Paul's kind of gentleness, his love, his, his care and concern. He's encouraging and exhorting existing churches. He's not only establishing new churches, but he's encouraging existing churches. He's preached sermons well. He's made disciples. He'd offered prayers and support he has literally poured his life into these churches why remember this statement because healthy churches produce healthy churches and that's really our goal paul has traveled mile after mile he has endured storm after storm he has faced enemy after enemy to go out of his way as we've been encouraged and challenged to do ourselves go out of our way to support and to strengthen what an example it has been for us and now the apostle paul chooses to conclude this chapter on a subject that is of utmost importance. It is, a, it is a focus on, and it is a call to prayer. Faithful prayer. Let me direct your attention to the word this morning. Romans chapter 15, I begin in verse 30. Read down through the end of the chapter, verse 33. The word of the Lord. I, I appeal to you, brothers... By our Lord Jesus Christ. And by the love of the Spirit. To strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. That I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea. And that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. So that by God's will I may come to you with joy. And be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. 
You know, I, I think the tone here as we begin, I just read in the ESV, the English Standard Version, I actually think it, it's a bit softened. He says that I appeal to you. Other translations say I urge you or I exhort you or I beseech you. Actually, I prefer the wording of the New King James Version. And it says this, I beg you, I beg you. It means to plead earnestly. And this, this really seems to be, I think, the most accurate description to stress the importance and the priority of faithful prayer in the local church. Now there is much here for us this morning. And yet what I have found is this. Whenever the subject of prayer surfaces in the local church. I have heard many people say. This is a most difficult subject for us. Think of your own prayer life for a moment. And I hear words and I hear phrases like this. As people describe their prayer life as exhausting. It's hard to focus. My prayer life is stale. It's laborious. It's boring. I've heard people say that I don't pray well or I don't pray long enough. People tell me that they don't feel like praying or people have said I forget to pray. That's how people, in a sense, absorb this subject when it comes to prayer. Like, oh, no. Or even what? Some have said it's even pointless. Why bother? If God is sovereign and his ways are set and he is unchanging and immutable, why do we even bother to pray? Now, understand that this is a massive, it is a massive subject that we could literally spend literally spend months on in the subject of prayer hundreds if not thousands of books have been written over the centuries on this subject so our, our treatment today certainly as you know is not exhaustive but rather what i want it to be is encouraging for you I want you to think of the subject of prayer and see it as the blessing that it is, as the privilege that it is. Charles Spurgeon said, and I had these notes put in the note sheet on your lap, the prince of preachers says that prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscle of omnipotence. I want us to hold on to that. The subject of prayer has been on the forefront of Paul's heart as he has been writing this entire letter. He has not been shy on this subject. It surfaces regularly. Romans chapter 1. Without ceasing, I mention you always in my prayers. Romans chapter 8. We do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings that are too deep for words. Romans chapter 10, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. Romans chapter 12 and verse 12, we are to be continuing instant in prayer. And now here in chapter 15, verse 30, it says, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ, by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me. In your prayers to God. To strive. 
the Greek word is like this long, and I will not try to pronounce it. But that word strive here means literally to contend or to fight or to fervently struggle. In a sense, some translations use this word wrestle with me. Wrestle with me in prayers. We've got to hold on to something here, and that is the power, the power that exists, that is represented when we pray. Even right here in this one verse, in verse 30, Paul is what? Begging us, begging us upon the work that has been accomplished by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit. We strive together in our prayers to God. I love the fact that in one verse, all three members of the Trinity are mentioned here. One verse. It's a number of important observations we can and we should hold on to lessons that we can learn. I've summarized them very quickly to five. The first one is this. We need to be reminded, we need to see, we need to hear, we need to learn. Number one, that prayer is a gift. It is a gift. I love, you do too, getting gifts. Twice we read by as a result of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, and what by the love of the Spirit of God, we've been called to and we've been exhorted toward a responsibility. And the responsibility is to pray, and specifically, it means to pray together. For, for some reason, prayer has become to many only something that we should do. Well, we know we should do this, as opposed to prayer needs to be something that we get to do. You understand that? We need to see the privilege of of getting on our knees, bowing before our Heavenly Father as exactly what it is, the highest privilege of being escorted into the throne room of God's grace. See it as that. Now, I'm just guessing here, kind of throwing it out. A lot of us have probably not spent a lot of time in a throne room. At least the type of throne room that's referenced here, okay? Closest we have in our culture is, is the Oval Office. And there's not a lot of people really want to hang around there right now either. But recently, if you recall recently, there's been been some historical events that have taken place across the world. And we have seen quite a bit of pomp and pageantry with the recent death of Queen Elizabeth II and the coronation of King Charles III. And, and there's a lot. You, you, you kind of saw like a lot of glitz. If you go to the official website of Buckingham Palace, it's called the Royal Collection Trust. And I'm sure that you'll race to do that this afternoon in between football games. But you can actually get a 360-degree view of the throne room that Queen Elizabeth used to sit in. And that King Charles will sit in. And as I was kind of like looking around, like I, I wasn't there, okay? I'm just like looking around. In all honesty, it was, it was like, it was Sparkly. There was like lots of gold. There was lots of like, 
like almost, forgive me, almost drippy crystal, like hanging long chandeliers. And there was a lot of really bright royal red. Pretty impressive, kind of gaudy, forgive me, okay? For those of you with English blood. Now, now you think about that for a moment, and you're like, wow. You can like get a look around. You can wait in line for like three days, and you can look at it briefly if you want to do that. But, but think about it. that. That is, that is nothing. That, that is nothing compared to in all-wise, all-knowing, all-powerful, sovereign, just, merciful, and loving God who is literally inviting you into his presence where we actually call him we get to call him as we pray Abba Father a term of the most personal precious and close endearment did you do understand how great a gift this is Someone may ask this morning, well, how, how do I get that gift? How do I receive that gift? It is access through Christ. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared before him that we should walk in them. You, you realize what is being extended to every single one of us. To be recipients of God's grace. Although what the darkness of our hearts. When we confess our sins, we can be cleansed from all unrighteousness. That text that I just read from in Ephesians in chapter 2 continues on in verse 17. Listen very carefully to this. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then we are no longer strangers and aliens but your fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. In a sense, we've been adopted to come in and spend time with every single time we bow our heads and we open up our hearts and cry out to our Heavenly Father in the name of God. Of Jesus and through the work of Jesus. Prayer is a gift. Secondly, prayer is an opportunity to love others. And I, I don't think we pause on this enough. As Paul directs our attention to the fact that it's by the love of the Spirit. This speaks of a love that comes from the Holy Spirit and it reveals something that it's it's a bond. A bond between Prayer for one another and love for one another. Th think about, in a sense, this is a reference to the unique indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit at work in the believer's life, which offers, and it's spirit-born. 
sincere love and care and concern that is beyond me. Earlier in this very book, we read in Romans chapter 5, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Romans chapter 8, nine times we talked about the fact that we are to walk in the Spirit. We're to live in the Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit dwells within us. It points to the fact that the same Spirit dwells within us. And whenever we surrender to Him, it draws us together in prayer and in love for one another. This means what? It's pretty hard for me. To hear from a brother or a sister who expresses a need to pray for someone else. So someone comes to you and says, will you pray with me about this person? It's pretty hard for me to say, you know what? I really don't like that person. I, I, really, I really don't care to do that. I, I kind of hope that they do flunk the test. I hope that they, they stay sick. I hope that the, the cancer's not healed. Now think about that for a moment. If a brother or a sister comes to you, pray with me about this. It's kind of hard for us not to feel the pain that they're feeling. What happens here? Something is drawing us together. I can't respond like that. We pray with one another. Thankfully, the Holy Spirit offers and provides a sincere love to a, not a selected few according to your chart, your depth chart, and whether or not I like you enough to pray for you. It's not that at all. We must remember this. As present as the Holy Spirit is in our lives, love should exist in our prayers. Let me say that again. We know this. As present as the Holy Spirit is in our lives, love needs to exist in our prayers. Do, do, do you think about your own prayer life for a moment? I just don't have the time, and like I'm such a bad prayer, and, and, I, and I forget to. Think about your own prayer life for a member. Do, do you see that as a means to show love for others? Could I, could I ask you, do you have a prayer list? I, I encourage that. Who's, who's on your prayer list? A bunch of people that you just love to hang with? Do, do you have those that have kind of like thrown verbal rocks or, or insulted you on you? Do you have enemies on your list? Prayer is not only a gift to us, it's an opportunity to love others. Thirdly, prayer draws us together. Prayer is a means to unity. It's describing a, a call to, Paul says, I, I love them enough that he, he, he requires something from them. He says, will you strive together with me? Strive together. Primarily what, there's two, there's two prayer requests that have been listed here. The first one is that Paul would be protected from, or he says specifically what, delivered from the unbeliever. He's kind of going into a setting where there could potentially be some trouble. So he's praying for protection, and then he's also praying that the gift that he is bringing, remember the gift that he collected from the Gentiles? 
He's giving it to the Jews. He's praying that it would be a blessing. It would be acceptable to the saints. Now think about this. When we're praying for the same things, it draws us to a sense of sameness in our lives, in our ministries. There's a sameness that exists in our interests. And, and when we kind of break up into smaller group conversation about, hey, how is, how is your friend doing that we've been praying for? How is your neighbor who's been battling illness or sickness? How's, how's your own life? And there's a, there's a drawing together. Mentions two things, physical safety and physical blessing. And his heart's desire is that this gift, not only that has been sacrificially given, would be received in a way that is such a blessing of encouragement. Have you ever, have you ever purchased a gift or given a gift that has fallen flat? You know, where, where you are, you, you are totally convinced they need this. And so you saved up for it, and you, you shopped for it, and you carefully wrapped it up, and there's, there's excitement, and, and you give it to them, and you're like, this is going to be so great. And then they have like that forced kind of fake smile. Like, oh, thank you so much. I, I love it. It looks exactly like the four other ones that I have just like that. I'm a, I'm a watch person, and I remember in our early years of marriage, I, I, Christmas, like first thing, I bought my wife a watch. And she's like, wow, thank you so much. And she wore it for Christmas Day, and I never really saw it again. <laughs> Anniversary, next year, bought another watch. Hey, how about this? And she's like, thank you. And then I realized she's got like a drawer full of watches. She never wears a watch. She hasn't worn a watch since the day I met her. And the gift is kind of like, hmm, probably not, probably not the best. Paul, Paul doesn't want that. Paul wants to be a blessing. He, he wants what has been what? Saved up and sacrificed. And he's traveled. That's the reason that he's what? He's asking for prayer that will require all of us to make the same effort, expend the same energy and work. He, 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 he's longing for perseverance in our prayers. We all pray different interests. We have different likes and dislikes. and We're different like builds and we have all different. But when we're praying for the same thing, our hearts become knit. That's exactly what prayer does and what Paul is expressing right here. Fourthly, prayer increases our awareness of God. I think each one of these builds in its importance to tell you the truth. Number four, prayer increases our awareness of God. Most people don't realize that when we read this little account here in Romans chapter 15, there's a correlating text of detailed, very detailed events about what is happening in Acts chapter 21 through chapter 27. Many, many details. I would love to read all six chapters for you, but I just don't have time this morning. But, but basically, if you look at Acts chapter, it just tells the story. Paul does make his way to Jerusalem. And, and as is typical for Paul, he goes to the temple and he begins to, to speak and he's arrested, which is no shock for the Apostle Paul. And he has opportunity to defend his faith and defend the Lord Jesus Christ as if 
People had not heard. Paul is then taken before a Roman tribune. He's brought before a Roman council. He's brought before a Roman governor. And then there's a plot to kill Paul from the, the Jewish Sanhedrin. And, and, and so what happens here? Paul is kept in custody and he appeals to Caesar. And we see this whole story unfurled. He offers a defense. He gives testimony. He sails to Rome. experiences a storm. is shipwrecked. But it's here that we see that Paul's requests were answered, but I'm quite certain in saying it's not answered in the way that we thought it was going to be answered. It was answered in a way that probably Paul didn't even hope for. Regarding the gift, we know it has been received, and I believe most certainly it was a blessing since there was great need. We learned about that in Jerusalem last week. In, in Acts 24, it says, Now after several years, I came to bring alms to my nation and to present offerings. So, so in a sense, the gift was received with appreciation. But as far as the second prayer request, which is what? It's a prayer for physical safety. Remember that? that that's another story, so to speak. Yes, Paul is safe, but he's, he's safe because he's been arrested. He's safe in jail. He's safe in chains. I think you would agree that's like, that's not really the way that I was hoping to be kept safe. Some people would immediately say, well, his prayer wasn't answered. Yes, it was. It was just answered in a way that was different. Let me, let me just, so just pause. Let me sidestep just for a moment. We're doing good for time, so you're cool, okay? Just sidestep for a little moment. Remember back to that Acts text? Through, through Paul's what? I beg you. Strive together with me in prayer, drawn together, seeing God's goodness. We're introduced in Acts chapter 21 through 27 through the narrative to a, a Roman. His name is Claudius Lysias. He's called the, the Tribune. As a matter of fact, he is mentioned 16 times. 16 times this Roman Tribune is mentioned in Acts chapter 21 through 24. So somebody tell you how this Roman soldier enters the narrative when he, he actually is, is one that God uses to protect Paul from a hostile Jewish mob on the outside of the temple grounds in Jerusalem. He actually grants Paul an opportunity to speak to the Jews on the steps of the temple. The Jews didn't respond peaceably or nicely to Paul's message. And Claudius Lysias decides to take Paul into the barracks of Antonia and examine him or ask him questions. And he receives a report that what? He finds out that Paul is actually a Roman citizen. As a good soldier, he's afraid that he's violated the rights of a Roman by actually having him bound or arrested. And he then seeks to find the truth out about the Jewish case against Paul. This is when greater problems arise with the Jewish Sanhedrin. Claudius Lysias orders his men to take Paul to safety of the Antonian barracks. And when he learns of a plot to actually kill Paul, he summons two of his army officers and commanded them to ready, get this, 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen, and 200 spearmen. So think about this. People have prayed for Paul's safety. When, when he preaches a message that upsets a lot of people, 
And you can read this in the book of Acts. 470 men are sent to protect him. 400. And didn't we pray for safety? Yeah, but I, I didn't want, like, I didn't want the, 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 the burns from the chains on my wrists. But what is God doing here? Let me direct you directly to Scripture. Acts chapter 23, we see here that Claudius Lysias writes a letter to Governor Felix. Listen to this in verse 26 of Acts chapter 23. Claudius Lysias, to his excellency, the governor of Felix, greetings. This man, speaking of Paul, was seized by the Jews and was about to be killed by them when I came upon them with the soldiers and rescued him having learned that he was a Roman citizen. And desiring to know the charge for which they were accusing him, I brought him down to their council, and I found that he was being accused about questions of their law, but charged with nothing deserving death or imprisonment. And when it was disclosed to me that there would be a plot against the man, I sent him to you at once, ordering his accusers also to state before you what they have against him. Do you understand what's happening here? That in a sense, the Roman soldiers, the one who nailed Jesus to the cross, are the ones that God is using to protect God's messenger, God's servant. God often answers prayers in a way that is different than you or I might expect. God, God takes us on a journey that is maybe different than the route that we had set out on. But what's a reminder? Remember being ushered into the throne room of grace. What a reminder of God's sovereign control. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 21 says that he... God changes times and seasons. Have you, have you seen the leaves as they begun to just explode in color around us? He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Do, do you realize how many people heard of Paul's testimony, and far more importantly, heard the message of the gospel because of his arrest. Every place he goes, he was stood up, and he told everyone, why I'm here. Do you realize how much impact and influence that had on the entire Roman Empire? God's plan is so much bigger. God's plan is so much better than the plan that you have for your life. Sometimes when we pray, we get stuck on our will. We get stuck on, on our wisdom. But, but do not ever limit God's plan. Isaiah chapter 46 says, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. When we have been gifted, when we've been privileged To pray, don't ever underestimate God's perfect plan. Fifth, and finally, prayer reminds us of the big picture. And this is what we need to come to a necessary reminder that we see, all we see is the next hill. 
That's all we see. We can't see beyond that. We have no idea. Yeah, it looks, it looks big and ugly. And I don't know how I'm going to get over that. Whereas God sees what? He sees it all, and he sees it all at one time. So, so it's here that Paul actually acknowledges so that by God's will, I may come to you with joy and be refreshed. It's, it's, it's taking us back to the disciples asking Jesus, how, how, how should we pray? Like, teach us how to pray. In Matthew chapter 6, it begins that we pray for thy will. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will is such that we can, and I think arguably should, be refreshed with joy with one another. And the result is that we actually experience the peace of God. Look how this text ends. May the God of peace be with you all. And I love the amen here. What does that mean? So be it. So just, just pause for a moment. Do your prayers at the very, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So be it. Do your prayers end with a sense of peace that God's will is going to be accomplished? Or do your prayers end with a sense of panic? Like, I don't know if this is going to work. Like, I don't know. I hope on. Like, maybe I didn't do it right. God's will is going to be accomplished. And you can rest in that. God's plan is for your good and ultimately his glory. I just wrote an article this week about the fact that, that what, remember Jesus on the storm, asleep in the boat. And, and the disciples wake him up, like, don't you care about us? Peace, be still. And they're terrified. Who is this? Who, who is this? The wind and the waves obey him. Nowhere in scripture, nowhere are we ever promised. It's a lie from the pit of hell. To think that your life is going to be easy as a faithful follower of Jesus. We're never promised that. Matter of fact, Jesus actually says, in this world, you know it, you will have trouble. We are never promised that God is going to remove the storms, but rather he's going to be with us in the midst of the storm. That's where we have to hold on to this. When we pray, so be it. There's a sense of settled peace. And we, we, we go back to be reminded in the very next verse we just read in Isaiah chapter 46. In verse 9, here's verse 10, it continues, declaring the end from the beginning, from ancient times... Things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish, and I love this word, all my purpose. I will accomplish everything. It's, it's, it's very, very key as we close to, to remember what our prayers are for, and in a sense, to remember who our prayers are for. You see, we have, we have a tendency to see life all around about us. Everything revolves around us. Wait a minute, that's not true. Everything revolves around God. He is to be the center. He is the center. Who are our prayers for? Revelation chapter 5. I'd love to take the time to just read it all. We don't have, but it's that incredible worship scene. Who's worthy? 
open the scroll and, and, and there's weeping. No one is worthy. Until one of the elders says, wait a minute, there's one. Behold, the Lamb of God, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He is worthy. And he opens the scroll and we know that he reads it. And listen to this, just listen to this part of this scene. The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden and a golden bowl full of incense. Listen to this, which are the prayers of the saints. You see what's happening here? You get this? You, you get this picture here? As things culminate, as we all collapse before the throne in worship, there's ones that are holding up. You know what's in those golden bowls of incense? Your faithful prayers for one another. Your prayers for the unsaved. Your prayers for clarity and, and wisdom. All of your prayers are being offered to the Lord as an act of worship. Isn't that how this entire section began in Romans chapter 12? Romans 12 through 16 are one section. And we begin in Romans chapter 12. By God's mercy, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual worship. Worthship. It is about God. Paul begins this section and he concludes this section. How are you doing today faithfully offering your prayers as worship to God? I got to get through my list here. Like, I got a lot of like, bad things happening here. And there's a lot of, well, wait a minute, do you realize what's happening? Who you're in the presence of? What he has done for you and your privilege as you're ushered into his throne room of grace to offer your prayers as worship? See your prayers through the lens of worship. That, that's an application point for us. Every single time that we pray, we have to understand what we're offering here. It's not about you. Even the agony, we don't even know how to articulate the words the Holy Spirit is forming them for us. We offer our prayers for one another. Our adoration to the Lord. We see everything through the lens of worship. How can I worship and respond to God's glory? Respond to his grace. Secondly, keep on praying with a heart for people and a love for the gospel. I love the way that Paul says, I'm praying that they may be saved. I know that sometimes we get frustrated. I've been praying them for every single day since Tuesday, and they're still not saved. Like every single day. And we know it goes much further than that. Every single, every single day of this last month, I prayed for them. And they're still blinded. And it goes further. Years. Years. Decades. Do not give up. God is not willing that any would perish but all should come to repentance. Pray that God will open their eyes and draw them unto himself as you faithfully offer your prayers up in worship with a heart for people and love for the gospel. Finally, trust that God has a perfect plan as he answers your prayers according to his will, which causes us, what? To, to, to conclude with an overwhelming sense 
of peace. Not panic, peace. That God's perfect will will be done. What, what, what an amazing blessing and privilege that prayer is for us as a local church. May we be faithful to the task that God has placed before us. Bow your heads and pray with me. Lord, we are just struck with your goodness that you allow us in the name of Jesus and based upon his work to be ushered into your presence, to, to lay any burden that is heavy on our hearts before you. We thank you, Lord, for Paul's example here. We thank you, Lord, that you use circumstances. You take us on a long journey around, different than the one that we would have set for ourselves. But ultimately, it's for our good and for your glory. God, encourage our hearts today. Please encourage our hearts. I know, Lord, that there's people that, that have scratched individuals off their prayer list because it's, it's not working. They're not responding. God, give us a renewed strength to place them at the top of our list and to pray fervently, to pray together as a body. We thank you, Lord, that we have access to your mercies that are new every day, your unconditional love and your amazing grace. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for the gift you've given to us to offer our prayers in worship of you. Bless us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.